The Joe Mays and J-Rock Show is brought to you in part by Mays Sandwich Shop, serving delicious hometown favorites to the West Lawn community since 1947. listening to the Joe Mays and J-Rock Show, bringing you the latest news and commentary on baseball. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, struck him out! The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball! Hockey. The Big Ten Championship lies on a measurement. Did he get it? No! He didn't get it! Penn State holds! They brought back the fun, they brought back the excitement, and now they brought back a Big Ten Championship. The Penn State Nittany Lions are Big Ten Champions. And the NFL. He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! What a comeback! Now, here are your hosts, Jill Mays and Justin Rappa. Well, good evening, one. Ever good evening, everyone. Wow, that's a great start to the show. I am Joe Mays, and you are listening to episode 240 of the Joe Mays and J Raff Show. Just Joe Mays, though, tonight. Mr. J-Raff is uh, quite busy with some things going on and couldn't be here this evening. We hope to get him back in the studio for the continuation of our 2017 NFL preview next Sunday evening, August 20th. And it's a big one for him and for a lot of our watchers because next Sunday, a week from tonight, we'll be talking about the NFC East. Obviously, a lot of people that interact with the show are very interested in what we think will happen with the NFC East in 2017. Obviously, being from the outside the Reading, Pennsylvania area, the Philadelphia Eagles are quite big here. Also, my dad and a few other people in the area are Dallas Cowboys fans, and we also know Giants and Redskins fans as well. So next week, episode 241, where we look at the NFC East for 2017, That'll be a big show, and hopefully Justin will be able to join me that evening. But tonight isn't a slouch either, because we're covering the AFC North, and if you can recall the four teams in the AFC North, you'll know that a lot of people that watch the show live as well as as a podcast at a later date are fans of the Steelers and Ravens, and then obviously we'll cover the Browns and Bengals as well. So welcome into the show, and we're going to dive right into things here because I got to get done before Game of Thrones starts. That's just how things have to happen here when we record on a Sunday night. So before I do that, I will throw up how you can contact us. I uh, won't be taking any calls tonight, but you can email the Mays Sandwich Shop inbox, which is JoeMaysAndJRaff at gmail.com. Again, that's JoeMaysAndJRaff with two Fs at gmail.com. That's the best way for you to get in contact with us right now. Of course, you can always find us on social media, primarily Facebook and Twitter, although I did add an Instagram account for 
the Mothership JM and JR Radio, as well as this show, the Joe Mays and JRF Show. So both of those accounts are now on Instagram as well. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can get all you need to have from the Joe Mays and JRF Show and the other JM and JR Radio programs. We'll continue the 2017 NFL preview by looking at the AFC North. And, you know, last year the Steelers took that one uh, with a record of 11-5. and five. They and the Bengals have been flip-flopping year after year. In 15, it was the Bengals. 14, the Steelers. 13, the Bengals. And back in 2012, the Ravens were the last team besides the Bengals and Steelers to win it. And that is when Baltimore won the Super Bowl. Could be a rough road for the Ravens again this year. We know that they struggled in 2016. Uh, they rebounded a little bit from the year before. You know, remember, if you remember back to 2015, they were five and 11. Um, Ravens finished eight and eight last year. Now looking ahead to this year, uh, could be another tough one just because of the division. I know that I guess they technically finished second last year, so they did rebound, but no playoffs once again. But we know that Joe Flacco is dealing with an injury, so Ravens. Obviously, one of the teams to look for in the AFC North in 2017. Bengals, Browns, Steelers, where are they going to finish? What do we think? Well, I did get a text from Justin giving his input on the AFC North, and I'm going to read that for you here now before I dive into it myself. Justin says his number one team in the AFC North are the Pittsburgh Steelers. He says if they're healthy, he thinks the offense could be really good again. Baltimore Ravens, about the same place as last year, just an okay team. He thinks Cincinnati, who took a little bit of a step back last year, finishing 6-9-1 and after uh, being 12-4 and the year before that, uh, he thinks that they'll take a step back and are sitting there in a third place. Uh, the Bengals probably under 500 once again. And then the Browns, well, it's tough to get any worse than they were last year, finishing 1-15 and and earning Miles Garrett as the number one overall pick. But Justin does believe that they'll be getting be- getting better. You know, there's only really, you can't really go much farther down. You know, there's only one more loss you could suffer, and I don't think the Browns are an 0 16 team by any stretch of the imagination. So I would say, or Justin says that the Browns will still be bad, but they'll be better. The big question is, and it has been for a long time, not just with in Cleveland, but in other NFL cities as well, can they find a quarterback? Is Deshaun Kaiser going to be the answer? He has potential, and people have been raving about him, but there's no guarantee we haven't seen any real game action from him. So Justin's rankings are Steelers, Ravens, Bengals, Browns, and those look pretty good to me. Uh, you know, spoiler, that um, that seems right in par what I'm thinking here. I guess I could see Baltimore and Cincinnati flip flopping. I, I think this is the Steelers' division to lose. I just I don't know that anyone can, can match Pittsburgh, uh, you know, toe to toe, talent to talent. I think from top to bottom, Pittsburgh is the team to beat in that division. With uh, the Ravens, you know, they they I think they got back to where they probably should have been last year. The five and eleven was an aberration in twenty fifteen, but twenty sixteen eight and eight. That's about where I think their talent sits. You know, obviously, they could get a game or two here and get the 10 and 6 or fall to 6 and 10. But Baltimore, I think, is about a 500 team. Cincinnati, I, I think, is right in that area as well. They struggled a bit last year, I think, what, 6, 9, and 1 after uh, winning a bunch of games in 2015. I think Cincinnati and Baltimore are, are right there um, fighting each other for second place. The real question is can either of them win enough 
to get a wild card spot. The Browns, I, I agree with Justin as well. Uh, Cleveland, one in fifteen last year. I, I think I, honestly, I think I could see them at, even at five and eleven. You know that, that doesn't sound great, and obviously they're not competing for a wild card spot, winning just five games. But a four game turnaround um, would be big for them. So let's continue looking at the Browns as the fourth place team in that division. Um, you know they they started the the season. 0-14 before finally winning on Christmas Eve in San Diego. They beat the Chargers 20-17 to for their first one of the season before falling in overtime to the Steelers the next week. They were they were in some games, not like some of these teams where it was within, you know, three to seven points a lot of the games, but there were a couple here and there that the Browns had a chance to win and they blew it. Uh, they lost by five to the Ravens, lost to my Dolphins in overtime, uh, lost by two to the Titans, three to the Jets, and, and then I just mentioned the Steelers by three in overtime. So, there's, you know, they win a couple of those games. You know, you win four or five games, and that's probably about the t- amount of talent that they have. I think that's what they'll get to this year. Uh, obviously, finishing in last place last year, their schedule shouldn't be any more difficult in 2017. Um, you know the the biggest things is uh what they've done as a coaching staff um it's a second year under Hugh Jackson and they already made a defensive coordinator change uh they got rid of Ray Horton and they brought in Greg Williams the much maligned and debated Greg Williams uh for years now from his actions with the Saints and Redskins and Rams and uh, a long history of uh of things um but so what have they done to make themselves better? Well, not a whole ton. Um, you know, they they lost some guys, uh, most in particular Terrell Pryor, who went to the Redskins. They didn't feel, I guess, that he was worthy of number one or top tier wide receiver money. And the Redskins are at this point proving him wrong because, well, one, they paid him. And two, he is the number one guy on their roster. So we'll see what he's able to do. Uh, this year, not in Cleveland anymore. Some of the bigger names that the Browns also let go, uh, Gary Barnage, he was big in the fantasy tight end circuit a few years ago. Obviously, RG3 is gone as well. And um, Josh McCown, who we'll be talking about in two weeks, is now with the Jets, and uh, he may be one of their best offensive players, uh, which says a lot. And, and that's not really a dig at Josh McCown, but we know what he is. And to think that he's a, a savior in uh, New York, says a lot about what's going on with the Jets organization. Now, who did the Browns bring in? Well, they added Kenny Britt uh, after getting rid of Terrell Pryor. They brought in Britt from the Rams. They added uh, Jason McCourty from the Titans. A lot of people expected him maybe to end up in New England. Instead, he goes to Cleveland. And uh, uh, the biggest one is Kevin Zeitler coming over from the rival Bengals to shore up that offensive line. And obviously, we talk about this when we talked about the draft, but the Browns brought in Brock Osweiler, um, and some draft picks gave away barely anything to get him just to compete, um, just to compete with uh, Cody Kessler and then uh, the eventual drafting of Deshaun Kaiser. Um, they earned the number one pick by finishing with a record of one and fifteen in twenty sixteen. So twenty seventeen number one overall pick, Miles Garrett already looking pretty good. They also brought in Jabril Peppers and kind of a jack of all trades defensive player that was probably overhyped at Michigan. We'll see what he's able to do in the NFL. 
Uh, David Nyoku, a tight end from Miami, great pick at the end of the first round. And then we talked about Deshaun Kaiser coming in the second. So a lot of uh, talent at the top of the draft, a lot of good selections. Hopefully they'll finally be able to see some of that realized. In terms of the roster, it's tough to say what they're going to do at quarterback. A lot of people like Kaiser and think he should start, but if they don't think they have the talent there right now, maybe he sits and learns for a little bit and they give it to Kessler or Osweiler. Uh, Jury is still out on that one. They've got a decent stable of running backs with Vitaly at fullback and then uh, Isaiah Kroll and Duke Johnson probably carrying the load there. Wide receivers... Again, we talked about them bringing in Kenny Britt, and they have the electric Corey Coleman working in year two of, uh, of his pro career. So we'll see if he's able to develop any chemistry with one of the aforementioned quarterbacks. Um, we talked about the tight end. Nyoku should have an opportunity as a rookie. Uh, then the offensive line, uh, you know, a mixture of people here and there, especially some pretty decently uh, high draft picks, obviously with Joe Thomas. Kevin Zeitler coming over. Joel Batonio was a early round pick a few years ago. Spencer Drango had a lot of hype in college. Cameron Irving was a first round pick. Uh, and um, uh, J.C. Treader came over from the Packers. So th- the line actually be may be a lot better than people think or giving them credit for. And if they can give Coel and Duke Johnson some time and some quarterback settles down, I really think this team could win five or six games. Uh, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn there. Defensively, what are they going to be able to do there? Well, Miles Garrett's got to make a name for himself early and often. Obviously, we love Carl Nassib there, the Penn Stater, um, playing defensive end or outside linebacker, depending on the system. Uh, Danny Shelton's there, early round pick from a few years ago. They brought in Jamie Collins last year in a trade with the Patriots. And uh, Christian Kirksey is uh, another guy that's been making a name for himself. Although I don't know uh, if he's a bigger name in Cleveland because they need him to be or if he actually is one of the better linebackers in the NFL. I, I, th- I do think around the league he's underrated. Uh, in the secondary, Joe Hayden has showed some flashes a few years ago but kind of has dropped off. We talked about Jason McCourty coming over. Where were Jabril Peppers uh, slot in? They also got Calvin Pryor in a trade with the Jets and have Ed Reynolds and Dolphins cast off Jamar Taylor. Um, they do have a good kicker in Britton Colquitt, and they have the Eagles' defunct place kicker Cody Parkey. So I don't, I don't think the the Cleveland roster is as bad as some people think they are, especially after going one and fifteen. I think they made some nice additions in trades and through the draft and free agency in the last eighteen months. That I think they could see some dividends this year. I think they were, you know, it's not doesn't sound like a lot, but I think they were a four or five win team last year. They just had some bad luck and some injury issues. I think the talent's a little bit better this year, so that's why I really think that Cleveland could go five and six in twenty seventeen. Where are we going to go for third place though in twenty seventeen? You know, Justin had the Bengals there, the same as last year, where it was Browns fourth, Bengals third. I think I'll actually, and this could be, you can call me a Ravens hater. That's fine. I, I I'm not a big fan of, of Baltimore. But I think I'm going to drop Baltimore into third. And that's more of just, I, I don't really think it's an indictment on the talent that the Ravens have. I think it's going to come down to tiebreakers. Ravens, Bengals, I think, are a 500 or so team. I think both of them are in the 7-9 to nine win category. As long as, for the Ravens, Flacco stays healthy. Because if Flacco misses a substantial amount of time, what else are they going to do? They've already talked about bringing Colin Kaepernick because what has Ryan Mallett done 
uh, in his time in the NFL to instill any confidence that he can handle this the team for a prolonged duration should Joe Flacco uh, be out because of uh, issues with his back. So we could still see that happen. If Flacco does have lingering health issues, uh, we could see Baltimore drop into the five or six win range right there with the Browns. Why do I think that? Well, you know, they already lost Kenneth Dixon for the year, so Terrence West is going to get the bulk of the carries with Buck Allen. Uh, they have a good fullback in Kyle Jusick, but again, fullback in this day and age in the NFL, not a huge thing. Who are their receivers? Well, Steve Smith, um, obviously, you know, and I'm looking at the wrong roster, so this is, I could be completely, I don't think I'm speaking incorrectly here when it turns to uh, the guys that they have here. Yeah, they still have nothing at quarterback. Uh, Flacco and Mallett and then a couple of no-name guys and Dustin Vaughn and Josh Woodrum. Uh, yeah, so Kenneth Dixon is out and they have Terrence West. Uh, Kyle Jusick is gone, which is uh, unfortunate for them because he was quite the player. I'm surprised that they, they let him go. Hmm. But uh, Lorenzo Talaferro, he's back. Terrence West, they brought in Danny Woodhead. Okay, yeah, the running backs are looking a little bit better. I know they were hoping for some bigger things from Kenneth Dixon this year, uh, but that just won't be able to happen with his injury. Uh, Buck Allen, Terrence West, Danny Woodhead, and Talaferro. So running backs, they got a nice quartet there, but I don't know if any of them are an every-down, grinded-away, uh, number-one type of guy. At wide receiver, they brought in Jerry Macklin after he was surprisingly cut from the Chiefs. Uh, they're still waiting on Brashad Perriman to develop, and they also brought off the multiple cast off Michael Wallace. So, you know, Macklin, Wallace, and Perriman, there's potential there, but that's all it really has been. Perriman is in trouble with drops and can't stay healthy. Mike Wallace, kind of the same issues, especially with the drop. They're both speed guys. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, a little bit more reliable. He should help as long as he can stay healthy. Obviously, Steve Smith has now retired. That's what gave me the signal. Hey, you're looking at the wrong roster. Uh, tight ends, they've had some issues with tight ends. Uh, two already, or one on the IR, one suspended. Um, they have uh, the former Giants player, Larry Donnell, and what seems to be... Um, always around the Benjamin Watson and Max Williams, who a lot of people thought would develop by now into a, a solid uh, receiving tight end. He's there. Maybe he'll take a step forward this year. The offensive line, once a strong point of the Ravens, has dropped off uh, substantially over the years. And obviously we saw John Urschel. He uh, retired and uh, you know could play center or guard, possible probable starter, um, just walks away from the game. And um, the the biggest guys that they have there now, Ronnie Stanley and Marshall Yanda. And then they've got a couple guys that they have to have fill in and step up. Uh, Matt Score is back at center, uh, as is Ryan Jensen. So not as strong as it was five, ten years ago. That was definitely a strong shoot for Baltimore. Same thing can be said about the defense, though. The defense has really dropped off, at least name-wise. Uh, the biggest name still left there, obviously, Terrell Suggs. Uh, and C.J. Mosley is a guy that I wanted the Dolphins desperately to take, you know, four or five years ago whenever he was drafted by Baltimore. And other than that, well, what do they have left on defense? Jimmy Smith, the cornerback, is probably the one that most people know, or Eric Weddle, the free safety. But definitely not the group that was uh, spearheaded by Ray Lewis for a decade plus. 
for sure. And that's why I think they're having the biggest problems competing with primarily the Steelers, although for the past few years it had been the Bengals until last year. They just they haven't been hitting on those draft picks. They need to do so if they want to start going uh, toe-to-toe with the Steelers once again. They're trying to fix that because their top four picks in the draft were all defensive players. Marlon Humphrey from Alabama, cornerback. Tyus Bowser from Houston, linebacker. And then a couple defensive line guys uh, next. So they... Uh, they have issues. They they definitely have issues, especially if Flacco goes down. So, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable looking at this, thinking that this is a 7 or 8 win team, very comparable to 2016 for the Ravens. Up next, I'll move to the Bengals. I think maybe a slight advantage over the Ravens. Um, they they had some some tough times last year where they went a month plus without a win. They beat the Browns on October 23rd and then didn't win until again until December 4th. Um, they, they beat the, the Ravens in the final game of the year, but it didn't really mean anything for either team. Uh, very up and down for the Bengals. They started the season with a one-point victory, then lost to the rival Steelers and then the Broncos before beating my Dolphins, and then losing to the Cowboys and Patriots, two of the better teams in the league, and then finally beating the Browns and tying the Redskins. Then three straight losses before beating the Eagles and Browns, following following that with a loss to the Steelers, Texans, and beating the Ravens. So 6-9-1, and one, not great for the Bengals after you know the last handful of years that they had had. So who did they bring in? Why are they going to be maybe a bit better this year? Um, they brought back Andre Smith, a former Bengals draft pick that was in Minnesota. They brought him back. Uh, they brought in Eric Winston, who's been uh, traveling around the league as a veteran offensive lineman. They also brought in young Cardinals linebacker Kevin Minter um, while losing uh, just Ray Maluga, really, although he never became the pro that people thought he would be at USC. Then in the draft, they added some speed at wide receiver in Washington, um, Washington's John Ross and then a controversial running back Joe Mixon goes to Cincinnati in the second round uh, those are great picks to revitalize an offense if you can look past the off the field stuff for Mixon Andy Dalton really has to uh, get something accomplished you know the Bengals just haven't been able to get it done in the playoffs they've had some very strong teams over the last five plus years but just can't seem to get it done uh, and they seem to be very high on A.G. McCarron. He hasn't had a lot of playing time, but I think it was just rumored that they were offered a second-round pick for him, and they turned it down. I, I mean, it's one thing uh, to say, uh, you know, you have confidence in this guy, but a second-round pick, you've got to think you can try to find some form of uh, a backup around the league, and even if it is someone like Kaepernick, to get a second-round pick for A.J. McCarron. I, I'm not sure why... They didn't go for it. It's a, it's a little surprising. Sorry, I was just checking the chat, and I see my cousin hopped in and had to put his Patriots propaganda in my show comments. I always I always appreciate hearing from the New England fans. Running backs. We, Mixon is a huge ad, and I know he's very popular in fantasy leagues right now, but they still have Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill um, in addition to Cedric Pierman. So they have four guys there. Not sure if all will make it. If one's getting axed, it's going to be Pyramid. But how they handle Bernard, Hill, and Mixon will be interesting. Obviously, 
you'd expect Mixon to be the long-term answer there. Uh, Bernard's had some injury issues. Jeremy Hill has attitude and fumbling issues. Uh, so it could be Mixon if he keeps himself clean in the long run, but I don't know if it'll happen this year. Uh, wide receivers, A.J. Green, obviously one of the best in the league. They added John Ross. They have Brandon LaFell as well as Tyler Boyd. So they've got a nice mixture of the old and young um and A.J. Green's one of my guys. I've had him in fantasy for so long. I hope that he has a stellar, stellar year. Uh, tight end, Eifert, Croft, and Uzuma. Uh, a good uh, group or good trio there in Cincinnati. And if Eifert can stay healthy, just another reason why Andy Dalton should be playing better. Offensive line, we talked about them losing Zeitler to the Browns. They brought back Andre Smith and Eric Winston. Offensive line... I'd say league average. Uh, if if they can come together and get uh, as a cohesive group, they could um, hopefully turn the tide for Cincinnati and get them to the eight or nine wins that I'm expecting them to get. Defensively, still have um, Atkins, Dunlap, um, Michael Johnson, Pat Sims. Those guys have been there off and on uh, for a number of years. Solid, solid up front. Uh, defensively at linebacker, um, perfect undrafted guy that had a ton of talent and uh, has shown it on the field, but also shown why he was undrafted as well. We talked about the addition of Kevin Minter, and um, they actually brought in uh, a Penn Stater uh, in Brandon Bell, who is actually coincidentally from Mays Landing. So I'd like to, to see all that uh, pop up here. Um, but he's an undrafted free agent. So, I mean, I'd love to see Bell to make some uh, noise in the NFL, but always always a long shot, obviously. Cornerbacks. This is where the Bengals have spent a lot of time in the draft over the last you know five years or so uh, trying to figure out how to cover these uh, freakish NFL wide receivers. Uh, Dennard, Jackson, Kirkpatrick. They also have, uh, obviously, Pac-Man Jones, not their draft pick, but... He was a high picker as well. Um, Kaveri Russell uh, was thought to be a a, a top uh, first or second round pick a couple years ago before he was injured at Notre Dame. So there's definitely a lot of talent there. If they can put it together, that's a pretty solid, solid unit. So I, I think the Bengals down year last year was akin to the Ravens drop off in 2015. I expect the Bengals to be better this year, especially if the offensive line can gel together and they can figure out how to give the carries to Bernard Hill and Mixon while mixing in Dalton passes to uh, Boyd, Green, LaFell, Ross, and Eifert. Uh, that's a pretty potent offense and, and probably one of the more underrated offenses in the league, and that's probably because of how much they struggled last year um, hobbling to a 6-9-1 record. So I think the Bengals are better in 2017 and I think they get to eight or nine wins all right so the team that won the division last year and is the preeminent team in the NFC North that is the Pittsburgh Steelers they had a tough go of it for about six weeks losing to the Eagles Dolphins Patriots Ravens and Cowboys Uh, the Dolphins Patriots Ravens and Cowboys actually there was a buy-in between there so they had gone from October 9th to November 20th between wins but then they were sitting at four and five after that loss to the Cowboys. And then all they did was rattle off seven straight wins, including a, an overtime victory over the Browns on new year's day. 
we know that they then beat my Dolphins in the wild card round, uh, squeaked by the Chiefs in the divisional round before falling to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. I, I think I expect more of the same for the Steelers this year. I know they have Le'Veon Bell in a holdout. Ben Roethlisberger is always thinking of hanging up uh, his cleats and, and calling it a, a, a career. I honestly think that could happen next year. So I think if Pittsburgh is going to win the division, get to the conference championship game, and topple the Patriots on the way to the Super Bowl, it needs to be this year. They, their window is starting to close. They don't really have an answer behind Roethlisberger unless you think it's going to be Landry Jones or Joshua Dobbs. You know, we might find out this year. Roethlisberger gets hit and hurt often. So we might see the future of the Steelers sooner rather than later. But I think if they stay healthy, like Justin said, think Big Ben and Pittsburgh could be one of the teams to beat in the AFC, uh, probably behind New England. But again, we'll talk about the AFC East and the playoff picks in two weeks from tonight. So what did the Steelers do? Well, all they did was get J.J. Watt's brother, T.J., from Wisconsin in the first round of the draft. And he just started his career with a, a huge first preseason game and having two sacks. They also added a big wide receiver from USC and Juju Smith-Schuster, although I believe he got concussed in, in that game the other night. Uh, local fan favorite James Conner came over in the third round, and he was in line to be the primary running back with Le'Veon Bell out. Um, he's been relegated, though, because of his injury. Um, Joshua Dobbs, I mentioned, came in uh, at it from Tennessee as a potential replacement for uh, Roethlisberger, though if Big Ben hangs up his cleats, I'm sure they'll be shopping quarterback early in the rounds of the draft or trying to make a trade to find his replacement. So with Bell out, Connor injured, um, I think most of the carries are going right now to Fitz Toussaint, uh, who's filled in in the past. Uh, Niall Davis, the longtime Chiefs running back, is also there. Wide receivers, obviously Antonio Brown, one of the best in the league. Um, Darius Hayward-Bay had a bit of a renaissance there with, with him. Juju Smith-Schuster came over in the draft. Eli Rogers is, is a sleeper there. Justin Hunter arrived in, in the offseason. And Martavis Bryant was reinstated. So a lot of targets, both big and speedy, available for Big Ben. And at tight end, Jesse James, the outlaw, Penn Stater. Uh, some people expect him to uh, really step up now uh, in uh, this is like his fourth year with uh, the Steelers, I think. And, um, you know, with so many other uh, talent, so much other talent at wide receiver and running back, sometimes you lose Jesse James, though that's hard to do. He's, he's quite a large target. He could be in for a good year for a potent Pittsburgh offense. Um, offensive line. Steady, you know, we don't know how long Pouncey will stay healthy because he seems to always get injured. But um, Villanueva, Gilbert, uh, Ramon Foster, David DeCastro, one of the best in the league. So they they, they had a 10-year period where in offensive line, which was always like the bread and butter for the Steelers, was having it was great trenches. They went through um, some upheaval. And even though they won two Super Bowls in that time, I think they're finally starting to solidify that unit, which can only mean good things in the Steel City. Uh, defensively, they brought in Tyson Alulu from the Jaguars. He was a former first-round pick. They have Cameron Hayward and Javon Hargrave, uh, Daniel McCullers, and uh, probably one of the more underrated defensive linemen, especially 3-4 end, and Stephon Tewitt. Linebackers, a little bit of a change with Lawrence Timmons now in Miami. Um, they have Bud Dupree outside with James Harrison, who, yes, still back, still around, um, with Arthur Motes inside, Ryan Shazier 
is the guy. Um, and they're seeing some competition between Fort Johnson um, and oh, who is oh and Vince Williams um, for the position next to Shazier. And obviously, we talked about T.J. Watt. He's going to obviously be in the rotation there uh, when you have that kind of debut and that much talent. Uh, quite the pedigree on him, so he could be the next great Steelers linebacker. Defensive back is an area you always hear Justin and I mention that we wonder why the Steelers don't do more to fix the back end, especially in how the NFL operates now with multiple four, you know, five wide receiver sets, multiple tight ends, just kind of uh, an air raid style of offenses to go around. Uh, you know, William Gay, Senquez Golson, Mike Mitchell at safety. Not a lot stands out. They don't have uh, those big names, big talent guys in the secondary. They they get the job done, but you think that would be an area that they'd be more concerned about uh, is the defensive backfield. But, you know, we'll see what happens. How does the Steelers' schedule shape up with a first-place schedule? Well, they open with the Browns uh, before host on the road at the Browns before hosting the Vikings. They then go to Chicago. They could easily be 3-0 at that point before they go to Baltimore. Probably should win that game. Jacksonville probably should win that game. Then they get a rematch with the Chiefs, who they uh, squeaked by last year in the divisional playoffs. That's October 15th. You know, if the Steelers are as good as I think they are or are going to be a team to challenge for the Super Bowl this year, honestly, they should be 5-0 and heading into the Kansas City game. You got to beat the Browns. You got to beat the Vikings at home. You got to beat the Bears on the road. Ravens on the road. Now I know rivalry games, so you maybe they maybe you say that's a toss up. Even though I think Pittsburgh's a better team, and you got to beat Jacksonville at home before traveling to Arrowhead and take on the Chiefs. They should be at worst four and one when they take on Kansas City. Uh, then they host the after that game they host the Bengals and go to the Lions before their bye. Again, maybe you say Bengals is a toss-up, and I, I think Lions could be too, especially because it's at Ford Field, and I think Detroit will be uh, sneaky good this year. Uh, but after the first eight, eight weeks, I would think the Steelers should be at 6-2, and two, maybe even 7-1. and one. After their bye in the second half of the season, they go to the Colts, host the Titans and Packers, go to the Bengals, host the Ravens, host the Patriots, go to the Texans before finishing with the Browns. And the second half definitely gets more difficult. At the Colts coming off the bye, I still think that should be a win. I don't. I think Indianapolis is an average team. Titans, I expect to be a little bit better than average. Probably not as good as Steelers, and it's in Pittsburgh, so it's probably also a win there. Host the Packers, that's a toss-up. Go to the Bengals, probably should be a win, but you never know rivalry. Same thing with the next week with the Ravens. Then you got the Patriots coming into Hines. That could be an AFC Championship showdown right there. Going to Houston, another team that I think will be strong this year followed by the Cleveland Browns, you know, the bookend of the schedule, open with the Browns, end with the Browns. I think uh, I think the Steelers are a 12-4 team, even with that schedule, especially the second half, where you got to face teams that I think could make the playoffs in the Titans, Packers, Patriots, and then fringe teams like the Bengals and Texans uh, and Colts. So uh, they got to get wins in the first half of the season, which is bad for them because they generally start slower. We saw that last year for sure. I think the Steelers need to be at six and two or seven and one after the first eight weeks, so that that way in the second half of the season, you know, they can comfortortably go. If they're six and two, they could comfortably go, you know, maybe five and three or four and two over the final few weeks. Probably eleven and five, twelve and four. I think that's where I'm going to put 
uh, the Steelers in 2017, winning the division pretty comfortably, I'd have to say. They were 11-5 and last year. I think they can match that or even maybe go one better uh, with a slightly more difficult schedule. And, you know, as long as they stay healthy and Le'Veon Bell comes back and wants to play and contribute, I think the Steelers are maybe our one of our only hope to uh, vanquish the Patriots. And I know people that aren't Patriots and Steelers fans don't want to hear that, but I don't really know who else can do it, honestly. You know, I know we talked about the AFC West already. You know, could it be the Chiefs or the Raiders? I just don't see it. I think it's Steelers, Patriots, and everyone else. So, you know, there, there, there you have it. That That's what I think of the... AFC North in 2017. So, not I don't think there's nothing left to say about the AFC North, but Justin and I will have enough to say about the final two divisions and obviously the most important two divisions, East Coast Bias. Next week, NFC East will look at the Eagles, Cowboys, Redskins, and Giants. Then in two weeks, we'll wrap up our preview on August 27th with a look at the Patriots, Dolphins, Bills, and Jets, as well as our playoff selections and our Super Bowl picks. So NFL season right around the corner. It's August 13th, so we are less than a month away from the kickoff of the regular season. And yes, Uncle Rich and my cousin Rick, we kick off in New England because they won the Super Bowl, as you like to point out every time we talk. All right, so let's get some of the business out of the way. Um, so I told you what's on the next episode, next couple of episodes, and you can always get more from us at jmnjrradio.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at jmnjr underscore radio, at Joe Mays and JRAF, at jmflyer1454, that's me, and then at Mr. underscore Raffoff, that is Justin. Uh, birthday shout out to belated birthday shout out to Justin's wife Jamie and a happy birthday today happy 60th to my mom you know, we celebrated last week that's why we didn't have a, a show last weekend we had a nice surprise party at Knobles. that was a lot of fun and, including visits from um, my my nemesis family in New England it was great to see them and have them there uh, but we just can't we can't support the Patriots in, in any way I think that's everything so I'm going to sign off here because it's Game of Thrones time, so we got to get out of here. There's important things to do. Uh, that is right at the top, Game of Thrones, right, right there at the top. So thanks for joining me. This wraps up the 240th episode of the Joe Mays and JF Show. Hope you tune in every Sunday, especially the next two, as we wrap up uh, the NFL predictions. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and JRAF Show. Tune in every Sunday for the latest sports discussions from Joe and Justin. Each episode is available live on Facebook Live and can be downloaded or streamed on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can interact with Joe and Justin on Facebook and Twitter. And stay up to date with the guys at JoeMaysAndJRAF.com. The Joe Mays and JRAF Show is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. For more info, visit JMNJRRadio.com.